Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning or winning inside. Fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hi, so my name is Mark Russell. I'm the uh, writer of the new Wonder Twins comic that comes out on February 13th. And I'm going to do a page-by-page breakdown of the comic and just give you a little commentary, a little behind-the-scenes info, as it were, about the making of the comic and about what I was trying to do. So when you open the comic to page one, it begins with a splash page. And I just want to really quickly... Uh, just talk a little bit about the art by Stephen Byrne, because in our discussions of what sort of comic we wanted to make, we really wanted something that worked sort of as like a, an after-school special gone wrong, I guess I would say. Like something that really kind of captured the interior and exterior lives of teens in a realistic way, but that uh, wasn't too camper cartoony that the, there's real room for for resonance and tragedy in these people's lives and i think he does a really good job of sort of capturing that in the facial expressions and also just the tone of the art it looks like uh like uh, it's reminiscent of the old super friends cartoons in a way but there's a lot of complexity in the emotional expressions and there's a lot of sort of depth to the drawing that sort of illuminates that interior drama so that said we go to page one, and it starts with the big splash page. And one thing I like to do uh, when I begin a new series is usually just have like a one or two page spread where I just kind of give you the world in which you're doing, being dropped. And this splash page is of the halls of the, the Morris High School in Washington, D.C., where Zan and Jane are going to school. And it just shows a bunch of random high schoolers in the hallway but if you look around the de- decor, um, you see there's a, um, a poster on the wall for the fall dance, and the theme is Delusions of Grandeur, which is really, when you think about it, the, the, the theme of every high school formal dance. And there's also a poster for the circus that advertises sad elephants. So I just wanted to let you know that this is the sort of thing where we are going to try to be brutally honest. We're being... We, we're not trying to pull any punches. We want to just be very blunt about what is happening in the world. And I think that's sort of the the tone of, of the Wonder Twins. So uh, we're after 
after that opening splash page, we then move to uh, page two where Jaina is delivering the morning announcements. She is not in her Wonder Twins costume, as you might expect, but just in regular school clothes. And the principal and her teacher are having a conversation in the background. And continuing that theme of sort of radical bluntness that we were talking about on the first page, there's a poster on the wall behind her for a medication called Normalysis. And it says, ask your doctor if Normalysis is right for you. And it has a uh, picture of what looks to be a perplexed teen. Uh, She's delivering the morning announcements. And among the announcements are tryouts for the track team, where the Flash is setting out a hummus platter for any aspirant members of the track team. And then also the um, Heritage Day. And the Heritage Day is uh, where you talk about your ancestors or you talk about your um, your personal history and, and talk about what it means to you. And so the guy who's speaking is uh, apparently of Dutch extraction. So he is dressed in what he considers to be a traditional Dutch costume, but which is in reality just the uh, he's just dressed like the uh, the Dutch boy um, guy from the, the paint. He's just dressed like the Dutch boy mascot. Uh, and he's talking about how cool it is in the Netherlands because you can ride a bike without wearing a helmet and you can eat chocolate for breakfast. And uh, he, he's very proud of his Dutch ancestry, apparently. Um, next up is Zan, who is dressed in his uh, ancestral costume, which is also his superhero uniform. And he's talking about Exor and about how, you know, it's it's kind of a boring place. You know, it's a utopia and utopia is really just kind of another word for boring it's um, a place where there's no crime, there's no real, you know, historical upheaval, and people just sitting sit around all day eating their flavorless protein globules. Uh, and you can tell he's putting the class to sleep. I mean, he is literally putting them to sleep. There's people yawning and sort of nodding off until he starts talking about the the thunderstorms they get on Exor. Because the thunderstorms are actually what begin the the mating rituals. And and when there's a thunderstorm, the adults, as he's telling this class, begin tearing off their clothes. They begin mating in the sky. They uh, begin transforming uncontrollably because it's a planet of shapeshifters. And you can see uh, the people and there's a nerdy guy just sweating it out listening to this this uh, horny story unfold and the other kids are in rapt attention and the teacher of course busts in you know interrupts him so that's all the time we've got for today uh originally when i was writing this scene i wanted him to be talking about the history of of governor morris who is the character who the high school is is named for and he is a um, founding father and governor morris is known for um having a lot of torrid affairs and also he died while trying to perform uh trying to give himself a a catheter with a whalebone in his urinary tract and that killed him and so i was going to have him talking about that and have the teacher interrupt him about sort of how embarrassing uh the school's origins are but it didn't feel right and this story about the thunderstorms on exor comes into play later on so i i went with this instead Plus, it just seemed a little little ghoulish, a little garish for a uh, Wonder Twins comic to be uh, talking about a um, self-performed um, surgery uh, on your urinary tract. Not to say I won't come back to it at some later point, um, but for this issue, I'd, I think I'd, I wisely chose not to bring it up. 
So we go on to the next page, and Zan and Jane are after school. They're walking to their new job, and Jane is kind of complaining about how, you know, they're dropped on this planet. They're not really given any instructions, and they're somehow expected just to know what to do. And um, they're keeping them constantly busy, so they never really have a chance to get their bearings, which I think is a little bit how how most teenagers feel, like um, school and then your extracurricular activities and your homework. It's all kind of like a constant distraction that adults kind of come up with to keep them from stealing hubcaps or getting pregnant or whatever the adults imagine they would do if they weren't, you know, doing daily doubles or working at Burger King after school. So Zan and Jaina are likewise walking to their job after school, but their job's a little bit different because they are working at the Hall of Justice. And um, the the last panel on the page shows them just walking up to the Hall of Justice doors. And then the scene, switch, the scene switches to inside the Hall of Justice, where Superman is explaining to Batman and Wonder Woman that Zan and Jaina are basically going to come work as interns at the Hall of Justice. This is probably um, a conversation he should have had with them earlier, uh, before their first day of work. But um, Zan and Jaina are already on planet Earth, and they've been here for a few months. And Superman had to get him off XOR in a hurry, so he's explaining that and that um, they're they're going to be here to help. And when he initially says that they are they're changelings, they're shapeshifters, Batman's kind of excited. He's like, "Oh, that 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 sounds good. We could use some of that." But then Superman kind of explains, "Well, you know, she can only really change into animals, and he can only change into water." And then when they find out Zan's only power is the ability to change into water, they are uh, somewhat less excited to have him at the Hall of Justice. Uh, and so Batman's concern comes just making sure that they don't get in his way. Uh, he doesn't really foresee a time where they're going to need somebody who can transform into steam or, you know, water of some kind of some type. So then the scene cuts to Superman giving Zan and Jaina their introduction to the Hall of Justice, basically showing them ropes. And there's a little Easter egg here. If you notice on that, uh, that top panel of their, of Superman walking Zan and Jaina through the Hall of Justice there, you can see El Dorado, who is a, um, a Hispanic superhero from the old Super Friends cartoons. And he's like walking around the corner carrying his uh, triple latte. Uh, I try to work in as many of those Easter eggs as possible. It's kind of hard because there's a lot of the Hanna-Barbera characters that DC doesn't have the rights to that I couldn't put in. So there's fewer of these sort of old throwbacks to the original Super Friends cartoons than I would have liked. But luckily I was able to squeeze El Dorado in. And who knows, he might come back later. So Superman is basically explaining the rationale behind the Hall of Justice. And the Hall of Justice, he explains, is sort of like a dispatch center. It's a, uh, like, a, like a precinct headquarters for the police. Uh, and it's there to achieve primarily two things. One, to make sure that the superhero force is evenly distributed. So you don't have like a bunch of superheroes showing up to the same uh, crime unless it calls for them. And the next panel's, you know, a burglar basically breaking out of a warehouse and Superman, Batman, uh, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, Flash are all there to bust him. And it's just like, it's like, are you, are you kidding me? Um, so it's overkill. So you don't want that. But then they also don't want the second problem that not having a sort of central dispatch office causes where you send superheroes to calls that they are not really 
uh, best suited for. And the next panel is about, uh, you know, Black Lightning showing up to um, the scene where a Hydra creature is attacking boats. And, you know, being an electrically based superhero, uh, it's not really good for him to be around a lot of water. So that would have been a better job for Aquaman. So that's basically why the Hall of Justice exists, to make sure that superheroes are dispatched um, evenly, or or at least at, they're dispatched um, thoughtfully to the various crises that are going on around the Earth, and that they don't just show up randomly to things. So he takes them to their, their work center, which is basically the old control room. The control room, as you saw it in the old Super Friends cartoons, but not as it is in the new Scott Snyder comics, which is a way cooler control room. So he's basically giving them an office in the basement. He's sending them to, to you know, to a cubicle out of the way uh, for them to work. Yeah, but while they're down there, uh, Hawkman announces a report of them finding a dead body in the park. And the, because of the temporal signature of the body, they know that it came from the f- that that the fifth dimension was involved which can only mean one thing and that is mixoplicked so now superman immediately sounds a, like a code red all hands on deck situation because he realizes that mixoplick coming from the fifth dimension uh is puts not only the the hall of justice not only the earth but the entire universe at risk because he opens a rift between the dimensions and could end up unraveling the very fabric of space time itself by opening a rift between his dimension and ours. So everyone flies off to deal with the real problem of Mixoplick, uh, leaving Zan and Jaina there in the basement office of the old control room with no sort of like direction or, you know, any sort of like idea of what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, most comics at this point would leave with the superheroes to watch the big battle with Mixoplick. But because it's a Wonder Twins comic... Um, and because I'm trying to explore what it would be like to be a teenage superhero who isn't really taken that seriously, it stays with Zan and Jaina, just sitting around in the old control room. Zan's sort of just spinning in his chair and getting bored. He turns on the TV, what he thinks is a TV, but is really the, the, the monitor for the supercomputer, and sees the battle raging outside. And it's basically Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman getting their ass kicked by Mixoplick. He's really just taking it to them. And um, so there's so Jaina decides that she, maybe she thinks maybe she can help. So she asks the supercomputer if there's any sort of animal from the fifth dimension that she can transform into that might be able to grab Mixoplick and take him back. And the computer is not very helpful, decides no, there's nothing really like that. So they're right where they started. They're just left in the uh, the basement by themselves, and this is when Zan takes the opportunity to lay down his uh, his grand plan to become the most popular guy in school. And this is kind of where you see also the real divergence in Zan and Jaina's uh, personalities. Like, Zan doesn't worry too, too much. He's uh, more of a confident, uh, as Jaina will say later, sort of inexplicably confident guy. He's a natural optimist who thinks everything's going to work out. And uh, Jaina is sort of the opposite. She is really, um, she's really thoughtful and is is very and almost cynical about. She if if the worst thing can happen, it probably will. Um, in Jaina's view, really, I kind of approach the Wonder Twins as if they are sort of one really well-adjusted person, tragically split in two. So they're kind of two 
incomplete people, which is really what I think teenagers all are. They're, they're sort of incomplete people. You're still learning about your, what you can do well and what you can't do well and how to make up for the deficits in your character and in your, your life uh, through trial and error. So this is a situation that Zan and Gina are also in. So Zan's basically telling us his plan to become the most popular guy in school. The first part is to uh, get his letter in hockey, his varsity letter, which he does mostly by uh, transforming into a fresh sheet of ice for the hockey rink, um, which, frankly, is probably the best, the, the biggest asset he brings to the hockey team since he's from XOR and has only been on Earth for a few months and probably has no idea how to play hockey. The second part of his plan is to get a really sweet nickname, which I admit is probably a really good idea. That probably would help a little. You know, something that will sear himself into the brains of others. The nickname he sort of planned for himself is H2O. He thinks, you know, it's sort of like um, like a cool athlete nickname. He thinks he's going to be walking around the halls and people are just going to be calling him H2O. Like he's Terrell Owens or, you know, like he's Odell Beckham or something. So, but but um, and then this third part is to get a really cool pet, which he envisions being like an, like an alligator. Uh, needless to say, now this will pan out. Uh, at that point, uh, the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Hawkman return from the battle with Mixoplick, and it, somehow they turn the tables in one, but just barely. They just turn the tables on Mixoplick enough to, to temporarily keep him at bay. And, I mean, he really put a, did a number on them. They're all smoking. Their uniforms are torn. So they basically just tell Zan and Jay to, to go home. Uh, I, I imagine Superman and Batman are probably going to take the rest of the night off you know, maybe soak in a hot tub somewhere, you know, uh, do whatever they have to do to do some Tai Chi or whatever they have to do to sort of like recover from this battle with Mixoplicked. So Zan and Jaina go back home and we uh, join them the next morning when they're getting ready for school. And the um, weatherman is on the news and he's talking about how there's going to be, you know, they're expecting interdimensional warfare later in the afternoon. So look for purple death clouds uh, in the area around three o'clock. Yeah, because it's a pretty common occurrence, apparently. When, you, when you're, uh, you know, in the area of the Hall of Justice, you're going to have death clouds and interdimensional warfare. It's just part of the, you know, the normal weather scheme of the area. So he's telling people what to expect, you know, on their evening commute. And uh, so Zan and Jane are walking to school, and Zan gets the idea to tr- that it'd be cool to um, transform into their alternate powers and race to school. And uh, Jaina surprisingly is up for it. And uh, so we then we turn to what is a literally a splash page, as Zan is changing into water and uh, Jaina is transforming into a bird, and they're going to race to school. And so um, while they're racing to school, Superman is explaining via PowerPoint uh, to the other heroes in the Hall of Justice that there's really two ways you can capture Mixelplit. Uh, the first way is to get him to trick him into saying his name backwards, which doesn't seem terribly likely, considering that he's been befallen that trick before. And so they don't, he doesn't have a lot of hope for tricking Mixelplick in that fashion. But the other way, more dangerous, but probably with a higher degree of probability, is uh, this tachyon trap that he's developed. Because tachyons are particles that could travel between universes and between dimensions. And so if, if they can capture Mixelplik with this tachyon trap and transport him back to the fifth dimension, then they've removed the threat. However, the cure 
can be worse than the disease because then it forces them to open a rift between our dimension and the fifth dimension. And then they could be the ones destroying the fabric of space, time and the universe by opening a rift back to the fifth dimension. So he says, well, you know, there's a 1% chance we destroy everything in the universe every time we use this trap. So, you know, it's a bit of a, a coin toss about whether or not this is a good idea to try to trap Mixelplik in this way. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in, a, in a contest with much lower stakes, Zan and Jaina are racing to school. And uh, Jaina's in the form of a bird. She's widely, wisely chosen the form of a bird, so she's flying to school and has won the race because there's no sign of uh, Zan whatsoever. Zan, of course, transformed to water, went down a gutter, and has made the um, the um, poor choice to try to like make it to school through the sewer system. But he gets lost and has to transform back into his human form down in the sewers, which uh, he's surprised to find on Earth are quite disgusting. So eventually, Zan makes it back to school, and the next we see of him, he is on the track team. You know, after school, and they're running and. And then sure enough, just as the weatherman predicted, the death clouds show up and there's purple clouds and the, and the, the, the coach is like, oh, great, death clouds. You know, this damn interdimensional warfare is ruining track practice. So he calls everyone in, but then the cloud, the thunder and lightning starts. And uh, what's just normally a, a, a normal thunder lightning storm to the rest of them for Zan triggers his thunder lust. Like the mating rituals of the people back on Exor, uh, the thunder and lightning triggers him to go into his thunderlust. So his eyes are lighting up, and he's writhing around on the ground. And this for Zan, for people of Exor, this is like um, this is sort of like getting his period. Uh, I guess on XOR, you, if this were to happen to you for the first time, as it is happening to Zan, they'd probably have like a, some sort of like sweet sixteen party for you or something. But on Earth, it's just hilarious. And so his eyes are lighting up, and he's writhing around the coach, like, what's wrong, boy? And all he can say is, you know, is shout the word thunderlust. And, of course, everyone at this point is just cracking up. And so, um, in a way, Zan gets his wish, uh, just not the way he intended, uh, in that he's now got a nickname. Everybody is in school is calling him Thunderlust. And he's so humiliated, and everyone's calling him Thunderlust, and everyone's laughing at him, that he feels like he can no longer go back to school. Which, you know, to be honest, we've all been there. I mean, not necessarily with Thunderlust, but we've all been at that point where we were so humiliated or, or did something so embarrassing or just felt like we our, our stock had dropped below the floor to the point where we cannot go back to school um, because we lacked... Well, if I could go back in time and give myself anything as a teenager feeling that way, it would be perspective. The idea that these, it doesn't matter what these other people think about you because you're not even going to know them. And, you know, this, and it doesn't matter because they've all, they will all embarrass themselves at some point. We're just all in this together. And so there's no point in getting too embarrassed or feeling too bad about, about being, doing something humiliating in high school. Cause we all got those stories of times we were just grossly embarrassed in our in our teenage lives that's basically what your teenage years are uh they're a buffet of embarrassment so but zan doesn't have the benefit of me going back in time and telling him this so he's utterly devastated and so he, he leaves vowing never to come back to school again so the next scene is 
at the Hall of Justice, and Jaina is in the break room with Wonder Woman, basically telling her, like, like this is so, you know, I feel so bad for Zan, because, you know, now he's humiliated, and he's vowed not to go back to school, and she's explaining him what Thunderlust is, and then Zan walks in and finds that Jane is telling a story to, to Wonder Woman, which makes him doubly humiliated, because not only does everyone at school knows, now Wonder Woman knows that he got his first Thunderlust, that he basically got his period. Um... And then to compound matters even further, while while he's uh, getting upset about it, Superman walks in, and then Wonder Woman tells him that um, that Zan just got his first thunderlust. And then while uh, she's explaining it to Superman, then Batman walks in, and so then Superman has to explain it to Batman. So now basically everybody who matters in the in you know the room, you know all the the major superheroes. All know that that Zan basically just had his first period, and, and he's he's utterly devastated. But this is where Zan gets where I wish I what I could have had, and this is kind of what makes it a an after school special to me. Is then Batman tells a very relatable story about the time he was humiliated in high school, and it involves a crush he had, and he wrote a love poem for this girl that didn't know that he had a crush on her, and his teacher thought it was his poetry assignment, so she reads it in front of class. You know, exposing his unrequited crush and humiliating him in front of everybody. And Superman thinks it's hilarious and he's laughing and he tells a story of his own about how when he was trying to, like, put the moves on some girl, he accidentally leaned against the women's room door and fell through into the women's room and all the the, the girls laughed at him. So they all are sharing their humiliating stories. And Zane kind of gets the lesson that I wish... I could have given myself is that, you know, have some perspective. Everybody's going to be humiliated like this at some point in their lives. And in fact, um, both uh, Batman story and both Superman's story of teenage humiliations are are both things that happened to me personally. So I I have a deep well of personal humiliations I can draw from for for this story. So... With that perspective in mind, Zan feels better, and he agrees to go back to school. Uh, but that doesn't quite wrap everything up, because there's still the matter of Mixelplik, uh, you know, trying to destroy the universe. So then Mixelplik shows up at the Hall of Justice, and it turns out the whole thing about diverting them out to outside was sort of a ruse, and what he really wants to do is... Get, draw everyone away, and so he, you know he knows that they're setting this trap for him. He draws them out, and then he shows up at the Hall of Justice, and he's going to destroy the fabric of reality starting there at the Hall of Justice. Is sort of the ultimate insult to the Super Friends. But um, he announces himself. The Super Friends don't know who, or the Wonder Twins don't know who he is. So they, or at least they, they pretend like they don't know. So they're like, "Who are you?" And he says, "I am Mixleplicked, Scourge of the Fifth Dimension." So then Jaina, being smart, just asked the supercomputer to play back the recording of what he just said backwards. So the um, supercomputer plays back his own voice saying his own name backwards, which, of course, sends Mixelplik back to the fifth dimension and uh, vanquishes the danger and saves the super friends from having to use that tachyon trap, which could have had a 1% chance of killing us all. And so Jaina really kind of saves the day. So she's she's starting to feel a little more confident about the, about her uh, knowing what she's doing on Earth, and that's really I think what the theme of this 
issue is about. It's about finding confidence in situations in which you don't really know what you're doing. Sort of finding through trial and error that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay. You you will recover from embarrassment. That it's really about taking a chance and doing what seems right. And that's where you find your confidence. And that's sort of the the um, very special episode moment where I, I want people to take away is that don't worry so much about humiliation because it's universal. We're all humiliated. We're all embarrassed. And don't be afraid to take chances and do what feels right to you because even if it is embarrassing, you know, you, you will recover from it. And there's a chance that you could save the universe in doing it. So that's basically my commentary uh, on issue number one of the Wonder Twins. Starting in issue number two, uh, it, we get much more into the main plot of the six issue arc that I've written so far where they begin having to take on a sort of a minor league of supervillains called the uh, League of Annoyance and this is really kind of their training task of the of the first six issues is to take down the League of Annoyance and the sort of um, supervillains in decline or the 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 has-beens and the never-wases that weren't good enough to make it in the Legion of Doom and they are tasked with bringing them down. And that begins in earnest, starting in issue number two. Also, um, Jaina makes a new best friend uh, whom she meets at school. And uh, they end up going on a, like having, like going on dates. Uh, Zan and Jaina go, go on separate dates, uh, and they have a date night, basically. And a, lot of, a lot of things happen over the next six issues, um, but I'm really happy with it, and I, I hope you'll... you'll um, Enjoy this issue and then take a chance on issue number two as well. So thanks for uh, staying with me through this presentation. My name again is Mark Russell, and I am the writer of the Wonder Twins comic book. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.